0: Yeah, so so we're doing this live. We'll do it we're live. Fuck like, we'll do it live. So we're doing this live on twitch.tv slash Michael Fight. Maybe a thing we do more often.
1: Maybe we'll see how this one goes. Did, we tried to do this like two years ago, and we just yeah. couldn't fucking make it work. Uh, we put like two hours into this one day before a, a recording session, I remember. Yeah. And I don't know that I've ever seen you more angry about anything
0: <laughs> I, because it, it's like streaming is a thing that i did that i you know i did for so long and mm-hmm. i did and i was like i've mm-hmm. got two mm-hmm. computers here they're like really really good computers there's no reason this shouldn't work and it just didn't this just took didn't. a few minutes to set up but now it is it is up and running but i i do see my face three times in front of me
1: i see yes yes same <laughs> Because i have phone recording for yeah i got phone for recording things. for tiktok i have my regular camera and then i'm actually logged in to the uh the twitch session on a different computer just in case someone wants to say hi and i can be like oh i see yeah i see them talking
0: yeah yeah so that's what i've got the ring central the thing and the thing Yeah, it's a <laughs> uh,
1: isn't technology it, great
0: it, it's great it's an adventure <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you that much,
1: um,
0: but uh, I, I don't know. This is it's cool so far. Everything seems okay. I'm sure it's gonna just go all higgledy piggledy eventually. <laughs> higgledy piggledy, higgledy piggledy, and we'll we'll see how that works out. Um, uh, but yeah, you know what? So uh, Caleb, today is is a special day for several reasons. It One, is. It, it is uh, the day we're recording this. Actually, is my daughter's birthday. She's Happy her birthday, Juniper. I know That's, she. Uh, um, her mom gave her a hoverboard, not the cool kind, not the Back to Future kind, the like you know, other one. Boom. And boom, uh, she apparently has already fallen over like five times. I mean, uh, but as you should,
1: I would I like. Uh, as those uh those of our listeners who also listen to Left of the Dial will find out uh, from the upcoming Left of the Dial episode. Uh, not not uh today's today's today is the day we record, but. This coming Fridays, uh, I tell a story about how I went to a roller skating party as a child and fell so many times on the same elbow uh, that my dad never let me roller skate again.
0: (laughs) So... That's very sad, but also uh, absolutely <laughs> hilarious. It's, it's incredibly on brand. Like, unbranded for like me. no matter how you fall, <laughs> you're like, well, 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 right always, on the elbow. It's <laughs> happening. The people's elbow. It just, <laughs> here
1: we go. It always, I just always <laughs> fell the same direction, and the bruise on my elbow at the end because I I would bruise so easily as a kid, uh, and sure. the bruise on my elbow was just so nasty looking. Uh, there's a good chance that I broke something in there. I mean, I wouldn't know.
0: And it just, yeah, it just healed as is. Yeah. yeah. Oh man, that is that is a mess. Uh, but also, it's a special day. This is something we talked about in uh, last week's episode. Um, uh, for those, uh, well, I guess yeah, last week. Uh, but Caleb, you uh, you are fun employed.
1: Yeah, yeah. So uh, I, I I mentioned this last time that I, I had put in my notice, and uh, today was my last day of, of work at uh, at my job, and. It's extra weird that we're recording on a Friday night because we don't do yeah. that. And like we're, we're, you know, we're the Sunday afternoon crowd here. Uh, and so it's already kind of like surreal, but yeah, the last day at work, I'm starting a, a short vacation coming up tomorrow for, for Ellen's birthday. Uh, we're going to go up to Chicago for a few days and just, you know, just be tourists for once, uh, which is going to be fun. We're bringing Penelope. It's going to be it's just a great little family trip. And then uh I have no fucking clue what I'm doing next. And you know, it's it's a little scary, but it also feels really good. That's good. I'm glad that it feels good. Take a moment and breathe.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Just just breath. Um, and uh, that was uh some someone I my ex-wife knew someone who had uh just breath tattooed on just them. It was supposed to be just breathe, but just they didn't spell it right. Breath. <laughs> Just breath. <laughs> Fucking brilliant. I every i I think about it all the time. It's it's like on the level of like no you know no regrets no, no regrets reger because because <laughs> it definitely was not intentional and like she even pointed it out to her. And she was just like, well, it's just funny now, so I'll keep it. <laughs> Which is a great attitude about it. Like, wow. that's, I think, in line with how you should uh, do those sort of things.
1: That's that's wonderful. And, yeah, I mean, I'm hoping that I can, uh, of course, use this time to uh, catch up on my reading uh, for our various shows to maybe get a, you know, a couple episodes in the bank so that we're not worried about, you know, if somebody has to take a, you know, a day off or anything like that. Uh, you know, maybe try to to actually sit down and, and write a, a blog post for NightShiftRadio.com. Uh, yeah. There's a little plug for NightShiftRadio.com. Know, you, should go, you should go check out the blog. Um, but, of course, you know, the, just have a chance to uh, just focus on being uh, the host uh, of such wonderful uh, casts of Pod.
0: Yeah. Yes, <laughs> I've cast the Pod. I've cast the Pod. Um, as you should. So I, I'm going to make a recommendation to you. Oh. You're going to hate this recommendation. I
1: already hate it because it's coming But from I'm going
0: to make a recommendation for what? you. I've made a purchase, Caleb. Okay. <laughs> I heard you. <laughs> uh, I've made a purchase. <laughs> I've had them only today. Okay. And, uh, I absolutely love them, but I have purchased the Puma gaming shoes.
1: What? <laughs> I don't know which so computer to are, open this
0: up on. These are the Puma gaming shoes. Now, uh, they they these ones, the, the all-black ones are European only, so I had to buy them on Amazon, but the, the actual Puma.com website sells them in a mixture of black and blue. So now, they do describe them as, like, can also be used in the arena. So I'm sure that they were somewhat intended for sporting because they're not really, like, outdoor shoes. I mean, like, they do have tread on, on the bottom of them and they fit really great and they're super comfortable. But they do also show people, like, playing games, like, esports-type type people. Okay. Um, I fucking love them okay. to death because I feel, like, like, when I put them on and I'm, like, around the house and I'm, like, sitting at my desk, I almost feel like, uh like, if my shoes are on, that's, like, a commitment to, like be up and about, you know, Mm -hmm, to me, that's mm -hmm, the equivalent mm -hmm. of like, you take a shower and then you get dressed and then you leave the house, you put your shoes on and then you leave the house. So like, you've made the commitment that like, I'm going to be somewhere other than my house. Now wearing these, they felt like shoes. So when I was like walking around, like doing stuff around my house, I was like, I kind of feel more productive because they're not slippers. So I don't feel like I'm walking around in my slippers, which I have, I have a pair of slippers. I mean, I don't really wear them in the summer, but I have some slippers, but putting these on just added that extra little, like Hey, idiot, fucking do some work. This looks and, uh, stupid it was good.
1: comfortable. They're they, stupid comfortable. They're also sold out on Puma's website. Oh, on the puma dot, Oh, yeah. interesting. US, US.Puma.com. I love Puma's, yep. by the way. Big fan.
0: Yeah. Um, I've had a few few times around.
1: From even before my, my brief times uh, working in a, a shoe store in the mall uh, where... I, I could easily have seen myself becoming a, a full-on sneakerhead uh, had the shit wages of working in a shoe store in the mall not been a hurdle. Uh, yeah. Because <laughs> I definitely spent more of my paycheck there than I should have. We've actually talked about, uh, oddly enough, one of my biggest regrets in life was never getting a pair of the Onis, uh, Onitsuka Tigers uh, when they were available.
0: Yeah. Um, which they you can still find them, they are floating around. Uh, I did see when I was digging around for these, they they came up, they ended up popping up and being suggested to get. Of course, Tigers. of
1: yeah. course, yeah. And like, um, just before COVID hit, Ellen and I went shoe shopping and I got a, a brand new pair of Pumas that are like I call them my Power Ranger shoes because they have like. Red and yellow and black and uh, like a splash the ones of blue. You wore yeah, when I saw you. Yeah, the yeah, ones they're you...
0: fucking dope. Those <laughs> they're are
1: super dope. so dope. <laughs> yeah, um, they're really cool. Yeah, and like it. It. Yeah, they didn't see a lot of wear uh, during the year of 2020, uh, so they they stayed fresh for quite some time. But I've been wearing them as more my regular uh, daily wear out of the house shoes. Uh, so they're a little bit more uh, more worn in now, uh, but yeah. still fucking dope. Great shoes. I yeah. love them. Uh, but sh- Pumas in general, I've always been a big fan of.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Puma Puma is a, a good brand. I've, I've had a few uh, Pumas throughout, throughout my life. Uh, you know, in my life, mm-hmm. I've worn them all. In my <laughs> life, I've worn <laughs> them all. Um, there are laces that I'm tying. All right. We're oh done with that.
1: I've I've never been and I won't because it's way out in the the suburbs where I don't go. But apparently there's yep. a Puma outlet store in this area. Uh,
0: uh, yeah. I mean, don't go. But I'm uh, not. Yeah, I'm absolutely <laughs> not going to. But, uh,
1: although I could, uh, I could get there by boat on the uh, on the Missouri River if I wanted to.
0: Hey that's nice just uh, maybe i'll take, take a, a boat
1: down the missouri down the missouri <laughs> <I'll, just laughs> I'll lewis and clark steamboat. into the shoe store <laughs> <laughs> that's the best way to do it
0: uh but uh i suggest not taking a plane over the sierra leone uh because interpol will definitely catch you and with that uh, being said uh, hello and welcome to the never heard of a podcast I'm your host, Michael Fight, and with me is the Koi of Caleb.
1: Hey, there it is. There it is. But you got to do the line. What yes. is the line he says? Oh, oh it says... I, I it's, think it's called... Uh, I think it's Caleb Coy. Yes, I prefer the way I said <laughs> but, uh, it. You know, but, you know, yeah, but I, I like my way better.
0: I like my way better.
1: Oh, great. <laughs> so, with that, we
0: are talking about the movie Lord of War. Yes. Uh, yes, starring Nicolas Cage. Now, this is definitely one of those movies that wasn't written for Nick Cage. No. It was, in fact, written as a very good movie, and then Nick Cage was cast, whereas you could definitely tell a lot of the movie. the rest of, well, so far, the other two movies we did this this month were written with the idea of like, okay, I've got an idea for a character. Do you know who I want to play this character? <laughs> therefore, I'm going to write it. Is Nick Cage?
1: But here's the thing: is that this movie, uh, this is one of a, a number of Nick Cage movies that I have seen in the theaters, uh, and this was like really kind of like prime time for Nick Cage. This came out in 2005, uh, yeah. and the next and uh, coincidentally last uh, movie that we'll be talking about during the month of June, uh, the Weatherman, was also a 2005 Nick Cage release, uh, and I feel like he was just like. He was really just cranking out the hits at this point. I mean, we're talking Gone in 60 Seconds, Lord of War, Weatherman, Bangkok Dangerous. Uh, the uh, the, oh, uh, the dangerous. National Treasure Series was, like, re- around this time. Like, yeah. he was, like, in his... Pr- like, 8mm was around this time. Like, very much like prime Nicolas Cage that had like grown up uh, a little bit out of the, the more like kind of sh ish films that like he had kind of gotten famous for. I'm thinking like, now, you you've mentioned like pegasus got married a, a couple times and thinking uh, yeah. wild at heart uh yeah. raising arizona, raising the, arizona. these yeah. parts that like kind of got him known into like now like everywhere you look there's nick cage and like he's just this larger than life personality but not quite bef- like like a little bit before it just became well, Nick Cage is just taking any role in every role he possibly can, and, like, it's just, it, yeah. like, it's going to be a fucking shit show, but it's Nick Cage. Um, so it's somewhere, like, this sweet spot for him. Yeah. The,
0: <laughs> well, there, you could, like, like, if you watch his filmography from, like, 1995, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. let's even say, like, 1990 on, like, up until today, you can see where, like... You could see, like, it grow up until the point where it just fucking tips. Yes. And then he's just fucking crazy Nick Cage for, the, you know, we get the jujitsu, we get the drive angry, the outcast, you know, we get those sort of movies. But there was that part before, like, think, like, Face Off, you know, think, like, The Rock and that stuff, like, where he's not, you know, think of this movie, like, Lord of War, like, he's not there yet, but every so often he does a thing and you're like, ah, there, there he is. This future Nick.
1: So there's there's a tipping point that I think like really comes between like you've got like Bangkok Dangerous and knowing like right at the end of like the yeah. the early aughts, uh, and then 2010, uh, all of a sudden we've got Kick Ass, Sorcerer's Apprentice, Season of the Witch, Drive Angry, yeah. uh, comes out in you know 2011. So and then like 2011 is also Ghost Rider, and so like. Or right, so the the sequel to Ghost Rider. So this they did two of those. They did two. Sure did. Uh, so like the, this right at the this tipping point of like the the late aughts into like the early twenty uh, tens, where you can see this noticeable shift from like he's doing a lot of movies, but he's doing like mostly like reasonably serious roles like yes it's nick cage like they're always going to be a bit over the top because that's always who he's been sure. but then they just like f- fuck it like cast nick cage <laughs> yeah
0: yeah 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 oh yeah 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 it's it's really wild i i you know and the thing is is like i guess we'll spoil the end uh, of this uh sort of review but um Lord of War is a very good movie. Yes, this it is. is a really good movie. Yes. And Nick Cage is very good in this movie. Mm-hmm. There are a few times where you're like, Yeah, but like he he is really good in this movie. Like the character he plays is good because I think it plays to his weird strengths. Yeah. Like it, it does without, without it, uh, leaning into cartoonish. Like it, it just basically it's Nick Cage without the cartoony writing.
1: Well, you, you said something, I think it was last week that really resonates where like, uh, at this point in his career, like if you're, if you're casting Nick Cage, you're giving Nick Cage a character and you're saying, here you go, buddy, you do you. Uh, but I feel like at this point, like, you know, 2005, you know, that the high point of his career, Uh, There was still, like, he was getting cast for roles, like, in in serious movies and was given, like, well-written parts. And, yes, like, he's going to bring his caginess to it. But, like, he's still working with a well-written part. And, like, it wasn't, like you hindered from the get-go like he is in a lot of his more recent roles. Uh, And this is a really well-written part. It's a very serious movie. Uh, He brings a a little bit of welcome levity to it because it's an incredibly serious uh, and uh, honestly like depressing and disturbing topic, but like by nature of being Nicolas Cage, like he brings some humor to it, which is great. Um, Do I think that he was the right pick for a, you know, Let's we'll say, like, twenty, thirties 30s-ish uh, Ukrainian arms dealer? Maybe not. But do I think he was really good in this role? Absolutely.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, because the other thing, too, about, about that um, is that he, he, he... Nick Cage looks a certain age. Yes. And when he's like... <laughs> Here's me, like, we're just young teens, you know, we're just getting old, and then we're like 21, 22, and I'm like, you are fucking 50 years old, Nick (laughs) Cage, like, you are not fooling literally anybody.
1: I did the math, Uh, he was roughly 40 when this movie was filmed, Uh, depending on how long before it was released it was filmed, because he was like 41 when it was released, Uh, which means that when it was filmed, he was our age. So he. So let that sink in for a moment. And then I think, like, by the end of the film, he was probably the appropriate age for the character. But it starts in, like, the early 80s, uh, as far as, like, setting. Yeah. And I think they
0: said 85. I think it goes like for that. about 15 years. And then, like, yeah, I think like, that's what we estimate.
1: It ends in, like, 2001 ish. Somewhere around uh, Yeah, because um,
0: because there is a reference to O.J. Simpson. Like, there is a scene where he, he sees O.J. Simpson, and then he says, oh, and now it's been X number of years since then, so.
1: There's a, a reference to the O.J. Simpson trial, and there's also, um, and we're kind of going to go a little bit all over the place here, but it's fine because it's Nick Cage. Uh, one of the uh, warlords that he is selling arms to, uh, is you know they you know people call me a, a dictator and they 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 tell me I'm you know bad for democracy or whatever but then he holds up a paper showing uh, the headline being you know the Supreme Court deciding the 2000 election for Bush rather than oh, Gore right. and he makes a joke like you know after this uh, Court of Kangaroos uh, and this is where we get the the running joke with the guy who says everything uh, kind of backwards uh, you yeah. know th- this Court of Kangaroos no one will ever you know. Tell me that, like, you know, no one will ever laugh at me again. Uh, basically saying that, like, democracy yeah. is the joke uh, and the U.S. has proved it and my power is legitimate.
0: Yeah. Uh, um, and, he, I mean, he ain't wrong. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's mm-hmm. and that's one of the things. So, so the other thing to note about this movie is that it is actually based on a true story. This movie is loosely based uh, on a true story. Um, uh of a man, I, th- I think I'm gonna miss who, who the guy's actual name is. I can't I don't think I can find it fast enough. Um, but this is uh, uh-huh. in fact based on a, on a, a real person's life.
1: Well uh, the character of Yuri Orlov, uh, according to the IMDB trivia, is uh, a composite of, of five actual like real arms dealers, but then the it was mostly based on uh, Victor Bout. A former yes. Soviet officer who was, finally, who was arrested, blah, 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 blah. I'm not going to read the, the trivia to you. Go to imdb.com right. and read it yourself.
0: <laughs> read it yourself. Do your own research. <laughs> yeah. Just Google it. Just go to, <laughs> use DuckDuckGo instead. DuckDuckGo. Use um, <laughs> <laughs> Bing.
1: Yeah. Don't use Bing.
0: <laughs> Use Yahoo's search engine. Um, Unless Microsoft so,
1: is sponsoring this episode, in which case uh, we always use Bing and nothing else.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oops. <laughs> hey, yeah. Bing is uh, it's the default on my uh, <laughs> Xbox 360. So, um, <laughs> yeah. So we're talking about the movie Lord of War. Currently, you can watch Lord of War uh, on Peacock, on yeah. NBC's Peacock. It, it, it was available uh, with commercial breaks mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, on uh, Peacock. Uh, now listen, I like Peacock. That is where I watched the majority of the Battlestar Galactica series minus the last season. Um, uh, I watched that somewhere else, but uh, I will say my only, my only like downside about Peacock is there are way more commercial breaks than there are on Tubi. Because on Tubi, there's like, two maybe three depending on the length there was like seven commercial breaks for me
1: they also just kind of showed up at really awkward times and it was just yeah. like suddenly a commercial like there's a, like a really tense scene happening and then it's like if it's got to be clean it's got to be tied like what <laughs> what like, is wait, happening
0: what is this hang on is this part of the movie or what what is what is going on what here?
1: is happening <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah, it definitely was like, and then he pulls the gun, and you know, fifteen percent or more could save you fifty. <laughs> like, wait, what
1: the? Fuck? I, how do I? Oh my um, god!
0: Yeah, it's uh, it is wild. But anyway, so NBC Peacock, you can watch this movie for free, ad supported, or unless you you uh pay subscribe to Peacock and pay them money, you can watch this um, without commercials. Which I I don't know. I've been uh, I've been like trying to find a reason to justify paying, not trying to find one as in like actively seeking, but I have yet to find a reason why I should pay for Peacock. So but I don't know yet.
1: Their original plan, and I don't know if this is how they went through with it, but their original plan was to have three tiers, like a fully free ad supported tier with limited yeah. content, a um like kind of entry level uh, paid tier with... Can't uh, I think it was either like slightly more content and no ads, or it was same amount of content but no ads, and then like it gives same amount a, of content, no ads, and then a like top level tier that was no ads, and then additional like premium content.
0: Oh no, I think it was the I think I so, think you're right. The first paid tier was additional content but still ads. Yeah, and then the top like, tier is that was no how ads, they, everything.
1: That was how they paywalled all but, like, season one of The Office and, like, a couple other, like, big shows that they were trying to draw people to.
0: Yeah. I mean, let's be real. Uh, Season one of The Office is the only, like, really good season. And now every uh, white dude in uh, that listens to us is going to hate me. Yeah. (laughs) But The Office is not that great of a show. After about season two, it's like, meh. eh." I get it. You make controversial jokes. Cool. I I don't... The English version, the American version.
1: I don't dislike it. I never got the appeal of it, but I'm also not going to be like, oh, The Office is dumb. Like, you shouldn't watch it. Like, you know, if, if you like it, you like it, and that's totally cool. Uh, yeah. yeah. Like, I, I saw most of it once through, and like, that's enough for me. I know people that will just like, they finish it and they'll just start over. And like, you know, if that's your comfort thing, then by all means, like, once again, never heard of it. It's not here to yuck your yum.
0: Yeah. No, I mean, totally. I, I mean, I still think because of the cultural significance of it, you should still watch The Office. And it is very funny. Uh, I would say up until Steve Carell leaves, that after that, you can pretty much like skip to the last like four episodes and just watch the last four episodes. But you oh, can right. skip everything after Steve Carell leaves the show.
1: I totally my- forgot he did. what to spoil yeah. it. You dick. I know.
0: Sorry, guys. I fucking <laughs> ruined. This. I ruined the office for you, but you know, the office is one of those shows that I feel like it, nowadays. Like, like, uh, uh, wait. Let me tell another story, and then I'll tell. I'll go on to that rant. Okay. So one, there was a TikTok <laughs> that was going around where it was like. Um, you know, uh, name, uh, name the song that you have absolutely been railed to the most. And, uh, someone, some girl just like, it shows her face and she's like, uh, and it's just the office theme. Oh, <laughs> like, no. Cause you know, you put on the office and yeah, you put yeah. on a show and do the thing. Uh, mine way, way back, like the girl I dated well before my ex, it was, uh, either Will and Grace or Scrubs. Those oh. were the, the two shows were like, hey, let's throw on Scrubs because back then it was DVDs because there was no streaming. You know, oh we owned God. seasons of shows and we'd throw on Scrubs or Will and & Grace and then, you know, that was it. And then it was, we'd, you know, wake up at three in the morning and the Will & Grace theme would be going, the DVD menu would be going nuts.
1: I just heard um, the, the Will & Grace piano interlude music in my head when you said that.
0: Yeah, I mean, <sighs> it's true. What a great show. Um, so the other thing about The Office is that it's, there's one, that's one of the few shows that is a comic sitcom uh, a comedy sitcom that has lasted they're very rare like i like back in the early 2000s like the 90s and stuff like that like the comic the uh, the comic sitcom was Huge. Mm-hmm. There were tons of them. Like I'm talking at the height of Friends. We've got Seinfeld. You know, we're still, you know, we're still watching shows like Married with Children. We still have all of TJIF and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. There were so many of those shows. And now it's like one every other year. Um, that is like that comic sitcom style. And now it's all like, you know, release full season, you know, weird thing, you know, like The Witcher, you know, or a game of thrones or uh, Sweet Tooth, which just came out, absolutely great on Netflix. Totally watch that. Um, but it's like shows like that now. Like it's you, there's no more comic sitcoms.
1: Hmm. Diva shut up. Uh,
0: yeah, I know she's <laughs> fucking bonkers. I don't know what.
1: Yeah, I don't. I don't, know. I don't know. They, they exist, but I, I feel like they're definitely the the, the drama and the the sci fi series and whatnot. They're, they're having their day.
0: Yeah, I'm okay so. with it. I mean, I'm, I'm all for it. I'll watch a million fucking, you know, Witcher-style shows uh, all the time. That show's so good. And then go watch repeats of Scrubs.
1: Um, we probably yeah. should talk about Lord of War.
0: Oh, yeah. So, <laughs> Lord of War... <laughs> So uh, Lord of War, uh, as, as you know, Caleb, you mentioned that this movie starts off uh, in the 80s. So it describes uh, the, the story of Yuri Orlov, who mm-hmm. he does say that this is a made-up name. So basically what happens is um, his entire uh, Ukrainian family, which consists of his parents, uh, him, and his little brother, uh, Vitaly Orlov, who is played by Jared Leto.
1: Which this um, is one of the few times that I can tolerate Jared Leto and even that, like in my mind i just replace him with sebastian stan yeah yeah
0: <laughs> yeah he he was okay in the beginning and then once he started doing coke uh he became intolerable which coincidentally, is also how I think of him in real life. the Jared Uh, Leto He's like, he was great in the beginning, (laughs) and then once he started doing coke, I was like, I just, I (laughs) fucking, I can't tolerate you anymore. Um, (laughs) Which, by the way, uh, if you guys remember Jordan Van Dyna, who was a guest on our show, he wrote a uh, coronavirus origin story that starts because Jared Leto, like basically Jared Leto comes back from, uh, like some weird like culty retreat, and it turns out that he was like patient zero for COVID. Uh, oh, it's on amazing. weekendscripts.com. You should check it out. It's fucking wild, absolutely wild. Oh, he wrote it over a year ago, um, but it's wild. Um, but anyway, so so Yuri and, and Vitali they explain that their parents came over, uh, you know, during uh, during you know the beginning of the Cold War and this kind of stuff, and they they came over, but they pretended to be Jewish. In order to seek asylum, basically in America, and apparently this was a very common thing for Ukrainians uh, in in the early '80s, and a lot of them settled in Long Island. Uh, well, it's uh, Brooklyn, right? Is that it, what he says?
1: It's uh, oh god. Because
0: he does say later to Ava that it's uh, Brooklyn or something. Yeah, I want like to like, say oh, that he grew up in Brooklyn or Brooklyn
1: something. that he he grows up in. Yeah, he mentions yeah. specifically like a, s- a neighborhood, Huntington Beach. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. Um, but anyway, so, so they all settled in this area. His parents, uh, start a restaurant, um, and they, uh, you know, so, so basically they're growing up and, you know, he, he, uh, acknowledges that because of the neighborhood he lives in that people, you know, y- you're basically a minute away from some sort of Russian mobster crime, uh, essentially. Um, and that, you know, he's got an uncle that lives there, um, that kind of into sh- some shady business, but he never really fell in line with that. Um, uh, but, uh, you know, and then the parents are in the restaurant and one day he has this like epiphany, uh, he walks into a restaurant across the street from his uh, parents' shop. And just as he walks in, two Russian mobsters come in and just absolutely, you know, try to gun down this dude to which the guy, you know, uh, ducks under a table, pulls out his gun and just, you know, kills the guys and then just, you know, holsters his gun and sits back down like he's about to finish his fucking spaghetti or something. It is
1: wild. I love it cuz like Nick uh Nick Cage's character, Yuri walks into this restaurant like basically at the same time as these two gunmen, uh these two Russian monsters. And, you know, they yeah. they yeah. unleash like a clip each in their Kalashnikovs uh, on this table. Uh, and the guy pops out from the end of the table and like uh, like Guns them both down with it with a pistol that he had stashed away in his suit, which classic
0: as is a classic mobster yeah. move. Um,
1: yeah, and like he turns towards Yuri like he's gonna shoot him too. And there's just this moment where, like, yeah, you know, Yuri doesn't like cringe or like throw up his hands or anything, he just kind of looks at him like, uh, uh and okay. <laughs> the guy's just like, <laughs> yeah. Eh, and puts his gun away.
0: <laughs> <laughs> nah, I'm just gonna finish my food.
1: And um, like he, he has the this character moment where like he he like you said, he he was like, you know, I tended to arrive five minutes before or five minutes after any of this stuff went down, but not this day. Uh and then I, I realized, you know, people are always gonna need food because they're always gonna be hungry, and people are always gonna need weapons because they're always gonna kill each other. And it's yeah. a it's a it's a little bit of a leap. It's not that he's wrong, but it's a little I mean, bit of a I leap to say, make. Statistically <laughs> and historically. And so yeah. but it is a leap for him to be
0: like, I'm just gonna start selling guns. I
1: just I just barely missed dying in a, a shootout in this restaurant. The, I should be a gun oh. runner.
0: Right. <laughs> right that's that's not the 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 that's not the end goal that 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 situation was supposed to teach you you know it was supposed to be like hey maybe I should move out of this city or start a neighborhood watch or something not like I should totally sell guns so people can kill each other better
1: yeah, you do <laughs> what you gotta gets, to do though you know
0: yeah so he uh this is this is where uh you know you kind of have to just you kind of have to just because this is one of those like jobs, like, you know, uh, any sort of large-scale illegal activity like this is one of those things where when people, like, go from not doing it to doing it, you have to just sort of accept that there was a long period of growth in between. Mm -hmm. Because, like, he's like, so that day I decided I was gonna sell guns. So I went and talked to this one dude and now I sell, you know, tens of thousands of dollars worth of guns, like, a day later. But it's obviously... It's obviously like uh you know, there was there was a lot of build up to that. But he had a connection. So he he goes to Israelites, right? Uh, in at Temple.
1: Uh yeah, he, he goes to see a rabbi and like makes his makes his first connections to get supply and like, you know, get connections on like who to sell to and whatnot. Uh, and I love he like Cage is monologuing this whole uh, movie, which yeah. is great. Like uh, that's a thing that's not terribly uncommon in Nick Cage movies. And I think the movies are better for it uh, because yeah. you just get like, uh, uh, like completely opposite of the movies, like Jitsu, where he's barely in them and like would have possibly saved the movie. Had he been in it more like he yep. is the focus and like he is the voice of the movie and like, Yes. Like, make him talk more, because that's going to make the movie, uh, if not make more sense, at least, like, you know, 10 times more enjoyable. Uh, and so, like, he's doing this whole monologue about, uh, like, you know, your your first time selling guns is like your first time having sex, and, like, you know, you don't know what you're doing, and one way or the other, it's over way too soon, and, yeah you know, the the mm-hmm. guy comes into like this like CD hotel room to buy an Uzi from him. Mean, he does this whole sales pitch and he's like, you know, built in silencer. Like you could like, empty a magazine into me right now. And like, you wouldn't even wake up the guy next door. And the client like holds the gun up to his chest. He's like, but then you'd miss out on your opportunity for repeat business. And <laughs> you know, he goes, ah, and he like pays him the money and leaves. And he's like, oh, you know, turns out I was a natural at this. And I love the idea because like, you know, Nick Cage as, like, a natural, like, sleazy salesman, that's an incredibly believable character.
0: Totally. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, he he looks that part and he plays that part well because of the way he delivers lines, 100%. Mm-hmm. Uh, so one of the other things about this movie is the way it begins. We get a thing called Life of the Bullet. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and basically what it is is we go from a bullet being made... To it being packed and shipped and and picked up, and we we see it actually kind of touch all of the people that he, we eventually meet throughout the film. So we see it, you know, touch some Russians. We see it touch Americans. We see it uh, then eventually end up uh, in Africa to uh, to this one you know prevalent dictator that we end up uh, meeting um, this warlord. Um, that we do end up meeting that ends up playing a a larger part. So we kind of see it touch all that. And then the very last thing we see is the bullet get fired and end up hitting a kid, which is an important part of uh, uh, the film Mm -hmm. um, in, in a grander scale because it does play a major part in that. So, so, uh, Yuri finally gets his big break with this and he starts, you know, basically he was like, that's what kicked it off. And now I, you know, it's, it's him and his brother going to this convention to basically, um, find, find bigger sellers, basically.
1: Which, uh. Where he meets Bilbo. He, yeah. So he goes to, <laughs> uh, to meet one of the like big wigs in the, uh, arms dealing in- industry. And of course it's Ian Holm right <laughs> like, like just a fantastic actor and you know it was, was bilbo as you said he was in uh from hell uh just like a, like prolific well-known actor uh very respected man uh and does a, it was a great choice for this role i think because he brings yeah, a certain absolutely. gravitas uh, he does, to yeah this, he's, this, he's got that like yeah old guard sort of, uh, arm to Nick Cage's like more like jazzy sales guy, slick, sleazy, gonna slide up in there sort of persona.
0: Yeah. We're, we're like Ian Holmes, uh, Ian Holmes is like the, the like oceans 11 guy. And, uh, Nick Cage is like the snatch guy. Yes. Like he's, he's, he's the <laughs> like, I still wear track suits and, uh, live out of a shitty apartment. And he's like, I own 3 houses and have a driver, you know. <laughs> um which eventually, you know, uh Yuri gets to. So, uh so this is the moment, you know, and he he goes up to uh, to Ian home, you know, to him and he's like, "Hey, we should totally work together." And Ian's basically just like, "Fuck, who the fuck are you? Get out of here." <laughs> Um, and this is kind of where our film kind of really kicks off. So before we get into that and the, the finer details, let's go ahead and jump to a commercial break. For those of you watching on Twitch, you're just going to see us sit here for five seconds and then we'll, we'll kick back up. Um, but, uh, uh but yeah, so we're going to go to a commercial break real quick. When we come back, we will finish up with Lord of War.
1: Looking for something heroic in your life? Go check out our friends at the SuperPod HeroCast. There, are guys with beers talking about movies with capes. Every episode goes in depth with a different superhero movie. A classic of modern cinema? A certified stinker? It doesn't matter. If it's a superhero movie, they're going to talk about it. Start with a little bit of comedy, add in some film analysis, and finish it off with a heaping dose of geekery. You've got The Superpod Hero Cast. It doesn't matter if you're a casual fan or a 20th level nerd. Download their latest episode Grab a beverage and enjoy the fun. The Superpod HeroCast. Be heroic.
0: Second Edition 1 is Night Shift Radio's Battlestar Galactica fancast. Each week, Battlestar veterans Caleb and Kitsy, revisit, and newcomer to the show Andrea, watches for the first time the 2004 sci-fi series Battlestar Galactica. They've just entered their third season, which means you've got two full seasons of sci-fi gold to binge if you want to watch along with them, whether you're the commander of a soon-to-be decommissioned battleship or recently promoted to president of the Twelve Colonies. Join Caleb, Kitsy, and Andrea as they make their way through the Battlestar Galactica universe one episode at a time. Watch Battlestar Galactica free on Peacock and find Second Edition 1 at Secondition one throughoutthepodcastcom or wherever you get podcasts. Hello and welcome back. All, All right.
1: Well, I'm back
0: welcome back so uh so when when we left you we were talking about Lord of War and uh uh where Yuri's at so now Yuri's basically in business now right mm-hmm. like this is this is where it kicks into business and he starts selling he he's all over the place i I mean th- this is one of those jumps where it's like you just have to accept that he grew fast yeah. basically
1: yeah so he's he he's got his, his foot in the door. He he's sold to some uh, some locals in and around New York City, um, but he knows that like he's gonna he's gonna cap out at some point. You know he's he's gonna he's gonna get too big for the pond. Uh, so he's he's tried to to uh, make a, an entry into international arms dealing. You know he reached out to Ian Holmes' character <clears throat> and was rebuffed by him. And he's like, you know what, I was gonna do it anyway. And so like he, he starts making those connections and like he, he, he uses his salesman techniques and it works for him and he gets reasonably successful. And like he and his brother uh, are, are, you know, they're partners, they're traveling around. Uh, but there's a, a moment that uh, they never fully address, but I love uh be, because of how important it is to Vitaly's character uh they're in Beirut Lebanon, uh, Lebanon and they just complete a deal and they see their weapons being used uh, like a firing squad to execute a bunch of uh prisoners and they're like very the basically the children and are uh, children um, yeah yeah. yeah, they, like, Yuri and Vitaly, they're on the other side of a wall and they're dodging the bullets and, like, literally dodging the bullets. Uh, and, you know, Vitaly's like, oh, my God, we have to do something. And Yuri's just like, it's not our fight. You know, we can't get involved. we just, you know, we're just, we're doing business. That's it. Like, Yuri is very much uh, separating the business from the, the personal. Uh, but you can see that Vitaly is very affected by this moment. And I think everything – I almost wish that they had acknowledged this more because uh, everything else that happens to Vitaly's character for the rest of the movie, uh, like, this is the tipping point for him. Seeing those children executed uh, with the guns that, like, he and his brother just sold to this rebel faction or whatever uh, really fucks him up. Uh, And we see – uh, not long la- after um, they sell to like a you know, South American drug lord or something like that. And uh, the guy, you know, he, he doesn't pay them in cash. He's like, Oh, I've got the, this, you know, pure cut cocaine. And, you know, the, the street value of this is uh, so much more than, you know, whatever you would get for me. And, you know, this is what I have to offer, take it or leave it. And they end up taking it. Um,
0: well, they end up having to take it. <laughs> they end up
1: having to take it. They don't, they don't have a choice because uh, the, the dealer would have just killed them. Uh, and, well, he shoots
0: it. He shoots oh, Yuri. Cause he was like, yeah, he's like, no cash right. or nothing. And that's, the guy pulls out a gun and fucking shoots Yuri in the stomach. And he's I, like, okay, we'll take
1: it. I forgot that that's the moment Yuri <laughs> yeah. gets shot. Uh, yep. Yeah. So uh, they do a little Coke in the, in the car on the way home. And then, uh, you know, Yuri wakes up the the next day, and Vitaly's gone with uh, a, like a whole kilo, and um it takes it takes uh, Yuri twelve days, uh, uh, you know, a bunch of time and money and whatnot to to track him down to this uh like uh, it was like a boarding house in Bolivia or something like that, and yeah, in, in you know, less than two weeks Yuri is completely addicted and just like out of his mind, coke head. And you know Yuri drags him back to the states and takes him to rehab, uh, and you know we see like at this point like Vitaly just he's he's basically like a lost soul like he he's oh, he was already um, I, I guess we we glazed over he was a, a cook in the parents restaurant and he had this yep. poster that was like beware of dog and there's this whole sequence between the two where Yuri's like we well, don't have a dog what is this and Yuri, and Vitaly's like you know this you know, reminds me to be more human and, you know, beware of the dog inside that wants to like fight everyone and fuck everything inside. And and Yuri is like, yeah, but like, isn't that what makes us human? And like, you can see like the, the personalities, like Vitaly is very conflicted. He was younger. He doesn't really remember much of their, their home and the, like the, the war and the conflict that they left. Um, But he's still like impacted by it. and, Yuri's just kind of numb to it all, and just like you know, just sees the money, sees the opportunity.
0: Yeah, yeah, and that uh, that too, um, that too is is wild because that that whole conversation, once you get later in the film, you're just like, well, that was the biggest fucking foreshadowing conversation, but it was so subtle. Yeah. It was a really good where it wasn't like gee, I wonder if this will pay off in the past, yeah. wink, wink, you know, like, it's not that, in the movie, like, it, it's definitely one of those, like, after the fact, you you look back, like you said, and you're like, oh, fuck, like, that really was, like, that was the moment, man, like, that's mm-hmm. where it broke. So, like, one of the big things, too, is when, when uh, Yuri finds uh, uh, Vitaly, he has made... Uh, a perfect outline of you of of the Ukraine in Coke on the table. Like he, he even says like, Oh, I, I've, I've, you know, created the thing. Like Like, I'm going to go back.
1: Started Odessa and like work my way around via the sea. And, uh, (laughs) Yuri is like, you'll be dead before you get halfway.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yep. And that's, you know, uh, that's another thing. Like you can tell, like, and I think for him, the whole idea of, like, making the Ukraine is him saying, like, I just want to go home. Uh-huh. You know, maybe not necessarily the Ukraine, but, like, he just wants everything to go back to, how like, a reset. Like, I want, you know, before I saw that the, these kids get slaughtered, before yeah. the drugs, before all that, like, I just want to be back in the kitchen making yeah. bad borscht.
1: Yeah, Vitaly um, was already a vulnerable person, and that experience in Lebanon broke him uh, and you know, like then seeing his brother get shot and getting paid in coke and it was just like, <laughs> I guess I do coke now.
0: <laughs> it's like I I just do coke now. That's mm-hmm. that's my uh, personality trait. Um, yeah, so crazy. So so now Yuri Nick Cage goes off and he is he is kind of you know really exploding. We see that he's he's no longer just like underground arms dealers. Like now he we, we even see a scene where he's meeting with an American general and he talks about how the American general is basically uh, selling these guns to fund wars in other places because, you know, for whatever reason, like this sort of thing can't be on the books. You know, he even makes a comment later in the film where he says like, you know i i act as a third party freelance to sell guns to people that wouldn't look good for america to be selling guns to or this other country this other country which, which is fucked up because it's probably true
1: it is true like the, well, it is true. well yeah like we know that. in in the ending they talk about how like the the five members of the un security council the five permanent members uh, are also the world's largest uh, arms dealers and like, we know that, like, our military supplies arms to, like, the entire fucking world, uh, shamelessly. Yeah. We know that. Um, that's the, I mean, that's been in the news recently in the, uh, the Israeli genocide of Palestine. Um, yep. But did you catch who that general actually was?
0: Uh, I didn't catch... I, I mean, I caught his name. I know that he's referencing a real general.
1: So the um, the character is uh, Colonel Oliver Southern, uh, who is referencing the real-life Lieutenant Colonel Oliver North, which is a, a funny little that's, nod. That's a funny nod. But the um, actor, uh, Donald Sutherland. Was we, it
0: really? You,
1: like, never see his face, but you just hear yeah. his voice, like, twice. And it's Donald Sutherland. I
0: did not not catch that. That is (laughs) pretty awesome. That's a fun little cameo. Yeah.
1: Not all of the casting is in your face in this movie, but it's all fantastic.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Which um, we do have to bring up one other uh, major character. Well, two other major characters. Mm -hmm. Um, One, we'll we'll, uh, bring up Bridget Moynihan. Yeah. um, Who uh, plays Ava. So Ava, um, she is one of the very first characters we see. We see her like you know, doing the whole uh, Miss Insert City um, or State uh, pageant thing. She's, she's in a parade, and we see Nick Cage talking about her, how he's been obsessed with her as long as he's known, you know, as known of her. She's like 10 she, years old. Yeah, so she, like, made it big. She's a famous model and and an actress of sorts, and, and uh, I think she's mostly just a model. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's just absolutely enamored with her, Um, and he, uh, you know, he follows her and he basically, uh, once he really gets up and running and is starting to make lots of money, he concocts this scheme to, uh, to, to kind of like, he even says like, you know, the, the, I don't, he doesn't use this exact phrase, but like the meet cute isn't easy to arrange, especially when the world is so big. He's like, so I gave it a little help. So basically he, he books her for a photo shoot pretending to be a photographer mm-hmm. and then rents out an entire hotel so that he's guaranteed to run into her mm-hmm. um, and then you know, pretends to cancel the photo shoot uh, and push her her flight back. So she's now in this hotel, this really beautiful beach hotel uh, with just him. Um, and so he's like, oh, well, isn't this serendipitous so now we meet and they get along and they get together. And then, you know, the, he, he like brings her to his fancy plane and they, you know, on his, uh, his, this plane that he rented and like put a name up there to pretend to be his. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, they, they eventually fall in love, um, and get married, which is wild.
1: And their <clears throat> arrangement is really interesting because he never tells her what he does. Uh, exactly. He gives her, like, oh, you know, I mean, international import export or something like that, you know, international trade of some sort. And she, like, we get to see, you know, a clip from their their wedding night and she's like, you know, you don't have to tell me what you do. I probably don't want to know. And like, I can handle that you, that, that you are, that you probably are lying and that you take risks. Just don't ever take a risk on us. Don't ever, like, don't ever risk us. I'm like, okay. So she's, like, as long as the lifestyle is comfortable enough, she's willing to overlook a bunch of stuff. Like, she seems to. It's hard to say if she, like, genuinely loves him. It seems like that's what the the characters is implying, that, like, she has genuinely fallen for this man, uh, regardless of the scheme that he never admits to, uh, to get them together. And she's like, you know what? It's fine. I don't need to know. Just like don't be shitty and uh yeah. like, we'll be all right. Yeah. Um,
0: which, you know, they end up having a son, uh, which they name Nikki, which I think is very uh, Nikolai. Yeah. And speaking of which, uh Nick Cage's actual son is in this movie. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh do you remember the the kid who is like fixing the helicopter and he's like, I could take this apart blindfolded? Yeah. That is Nick Cage's in real life son.
1: I did not know that.
0: Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So he, he's in this movie as a couple of parts. So, uh, so uh, another casting with that. So that was Bridget Moynihan, who plays Ava, um, but she was almost cast as Morena uh, who uh, has been in a few movies, but you guys more recently probably recognize her from Deadpool and Deadpool 2. Hmm. Um, Deadpool 2. Um, but uh, I get them confused a lot because they look a lot alike. So, like when they sit, like when I saw the trivia and it was like, oh, they almost cast Maria in the background. And I was like, I thought that was Maria. <laughs> <laughs> like, I had to look it up. I was like, oh, that's Bridget Moynihan. They look exactly alike uh, to me, but they do look a lot alike. And um, it's the eyes, I think. I think it's the eyes and the eyebrows.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure who I thought she was, but when I, I looked up Bridget Moynihan's IMDB profile, I realized that I didn't actually recognize her, but. I mean, obviously, I've, I've seen this movie, so I recognize sure. her. But I thought I recognized her from somewhere else, and I did not.
0: You probably recognized Marina Baccarat. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> thought it was her. That's what I did. Um, but yeah, so, so she plays an important role, but only in the end of the movie. Now, the other character, uh, who is also a, a known actor, is Ethan Hawke. Ethan Hawke is in this movie as the Interpol agent.
1: Which I love. that Ethan Hawke spends this entire movie... Basically just looking like a really confused Kevin Bacon. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes, he, Kevin Bacon would have done this role really well. <laughs> yeah, did, 100%.
1: Uh, oh, you know what? Weston Cage Coppola. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I saw that he was in that. And I was like, that's got to be like, he's got to be related to Nick Cage somehow with that name. Uh, turns out he was also involved with, I think he was part of the soundtrack for Drive Angry. Oh, really? Yeah.
0: That's pretty awesome yeah
1: i think he mostly does sound i think he's less less into acting although he he does have a, a decent little uh indb profile for for acting
0: nice yeah. good for him and then, uh, and then one more, um, which is, uh, uh, Iman Walker, uh, who plays Andy, uh, the, uh, the South Africa or the African dictator, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. that we eventually meet. Um, uh, you guys would probably uh, recognize him from a few things, probably more specifically Oz. Uh, he was, uh, Kareem on Oz. Um, he was in, I mean, he's been in a few movies. Uh, he was also in like all the Chicago med PD fire shows, uh, Chicago Justice. I'm trying to think of what the one thing. I think he was in Grey's Anatomy. Um, but there's, if I oh, he was in ER. I think if I remember correctly, though, I I think we don't like him anymore because I think he did something bad. But I don't I don't remember, so don't quote me on that. I yeah. I have no research to that. But I think there was like a thing that he did that now <sighs> I mean, we don't like him anymore. It,
1: you know, it's just best to assume that everyone is terrible until proven otherwise. <laughs> I it's
0: how I live my life uh, <laughs> typically, anyways. So, um, so the film progresses. You you got you got where where are we going? Where do we want to dive into this? Because there's a lot of like him just selling guns and talking about the process of like the paperwork. And there's a lot of back and forth between him and Ethan Hawke who's Jack Valentine, which fucking get a better name. Well, it's we such a 1950s Pete like gumshoe it name. It really is Jack Valentine. She.
1: Ah. Uh Well, there there's the the subplot where he goes to see his. Uh, His uncle, Dmitry, in the Ukraine after the fall of the Soviet Union. And this is just like, you know, the ultimate windfall for an arms dealer. Like, suddenly all of this, you know, fragmentation in, uh, in the former USSR and all of these, like... New wars popping up from you know the the ashes of the Cold War, uh, and so he he's able to use that that connection to get his hands on free and or very inexpensive former Soviet uh, arms uh, to then resell, and he cuts his uncle in on it, of course, uh, and everything's going great until um, Ian Holmes' character uh, decides to uh, car bomb uh, the uh, Yuri's car which happens to have his uncle in it. So, you know, that, that, that kills that. Um, but then of course you mentioned uh, Andre Bat- Batiste, but um, the, uh, the character that you refer to as Andy, who was the uh, newly installed dictator in uh, Liberia. And mm-hmm. he's, he's one of a few feuding warlords that are, that are, uh, you know, trying to, to maintain control of the, the country. And, um, Yuri begins selling to him and, you know, Batiste is known for his, for his cruelty and his wanton violence. Uh, and if anything, his son is even worse and less like reserved and, and crazier. Uh, and so we get this really interesting dynamic where, um, the the son approaches yuri and he's like my father wants to, to to meet you and yuri's like oh that's that what an honor but i don't i don't have time and the son's like it wasn't an option <laughs> and they, right. they get him in a you know in a convertible and drive through the streets and uh junior's just firing a gun out out the window or like you know open to the air like through the town streets and whatnot. A gold-plated gun. Uh, a gold-plated that. AK, which is great. Yep. Uh, mm-hmm. Junior is like, everything is like gold chains, gold-plated everything. Junior's got style. Um, yeah. But of course, uh, Baptiste Sr. is the one who we, we referenced earlier, is like is saying all of these saying backwards. He's like, oh, it's going to be a you know, magnificent bath of blood. And you know, yours like, a, I think it's bloodbath yeah, but I prefer my way better. Yeah. Uh, and after getting to know Yuri, uh, he's like, you know, they call me the Lord of War, but I think it is you. And Yuri's like, it, it, it's Warlord. Ah, still my way is better. <laughs> and so we, we get this, uh, this uh, like running joke where like, uh, Baptiste will, will say things reversed like that. And Yuri tries to correct him. Um, but uh, this becomes kind of a... Uh, it's a lucrative but also very toxic relationship for Yuri.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's its definitely a dangerous one because, you know, this, this is probably one of the only... Uh, the first instances in which the person that he is selling to has no respect for that sort of, like, seller, like, you know, customer-business uh, relationship. He's just like... I will fucking kill you right now. Like, I don't care. Like, I'll kill anyone. Like, well, and like he, he, he takes
1: one of the, the guns that Yuri's showing him and just like turns around and shoots one of his own men with it. And like Yuri starts to freak out. And the, like Baptiste is like, Oh, what's the problem? Hmm. And, <laughs> he's like, and he's like, I, well, I mean, I, I, now you, you, Mm, now you have to buy it because it's used. I can't sell (laughs) it. Like it's very quick thinking, (laughs) Uh, which again is very clever and plays very well into Nick Cage's strengths uh, as an actor.
0: Yeah, totally. So, so that's, you know, on top of, on, you know, Andy's, uh, you know, the Baptiste's kind of like looming threat. We also have Interpol, who we get a couple of instances of Interpol kind of catching him like trying to turn to catch him mm-hmm. and seeing that you know him being like oh well you know I'm on the level here's all my paperwork everything I'm doing is legal because technically it's not but the way he w- loopholes it you know think mm-hmm. of like think of like how just recently we found out people like Jeff Bezos paid zero income tax you know, even, even though they made profits of billions Mm -hmm. is because there's a lot of weird little loopholes that they do in order to avoid those sort of things. And this is the same idea. Nick Cage has all these loopholes that he uses, you know, or this character has all these loopholes that they use in order to actually sell these guns and ammunitions and things like that. Um, and so, you know, he, Ethan Hawke catches him a couple of times and tries to like, gotcha moment in him. And he's like, you've got nothing on me. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's actually very funny in the end. um, but messed up, but, uh, this is, so, so we have those two looming things. Now it really comes down to all, all that has to happen is for Nick cage to fuck up once. He's mm-hmm. just got to mess up paperwork on one thing or, you know, whatever it is. And he's done for. And the, the weird thing about this, and I'm sure it's probably based on real life events, but two things happen that kind of blow him in. Um, uh, and either one of them could have just happened on their own and it would have been the same, but like they both happen and they both didn't need to happen, but it was just kind of like a double whammy of like the brother and the wife. Mm -hmm. So, uh, so there was that. So uh, we want to do the brother. You want to do the wife.
1: So the wife catches on to, to what he's doing and he's like, you know, the, like I, he he goes into his whole like I you know I just I provide people the means to defend themselves and like nothing I do is illegal and she's like that doesn't make it right uh, which right. she's correct uh, she is 100%. but he he decides to you know like you know what I'm gonna go on the level I, you know my my family is important to me I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna make it work and you know for a number of months he does uh, but then uh, Baptiste shows up again like in town for a, uh, you know, for like a UN conference or something like that and just drops by Yuri's house. And he's like, Oh, it'd be a, you know, a real shame to not be able to give you this giant diamond for your services or whatever. Uh, And so Yuri finds a, it's like kind of a, you you don't really know if he, if he thinks of it as like, you know, one last big thing or like if he's going to just try to get back into it on the sly but he's like, all right, well, you know, I've got to do this. Um, and so he he recruits his brother again. He's like, I need your help. And at this point, you, uh, Vitaly is finally clean. You know, he's been out of rehab. He's back at the restaurant. And um, Yuri's like, I need you, you know, brothers in arms. Like, let's do this. And, you know, he, he talks uh, Vitaly into doing it. Uh, and so they, they take the, the guns over to, to Liberia and... The Baptiste family's like, oh, no, 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 you're bringing them to our neighbors, because uh, you know, they've they've established, quote-unquote, peace and democracy in, in Liberia. Oh, right. yeah, yeah.
0: We uh, had an election. <laughs>
1: they're like, wait, we're going to Sierra Leone? Yeah. <laughs> and... Uh, like yep, and they're like but we don't have trucks. Like oh, you'll have them as soon as we finish taking the food out of them, <laughs> and so uh, they they send them on their way to, to meet the the warlords in uh, Sierra Leone, and Yuri is you know negotiating the deal, and Vitaly sees this camp of you know refugees or like people on the run from uh, the current regime or whatever, uh, and they're being. Terrorized by men in in pickup trucks, and at one point the men get out and just like hack up a woman and her daughter or and her son with uh, you know machetes, and Yuri's like, nope, that's it, I'm out, I can't yeah. do this, and Yuri's just like uh, Vitaly says this, and Yuri's just like. It's not our fight. Remember that. Like, we just, we just have to make this sale. And Vitalia's like, you know, but they'll, like, they're just going to immediately turn around and kill these people. And like, what do you think they'll do to us if we don't make the sale? Right. Like, Which it, like, it doesn't make it right, but it is sound logic to say, like, you know, we can sell them the guns and they're going to kill these people. We cannot sell them the guns. They'll kill us, take the guns and kill these people. Right. Uh, in one of these scenarios, at least we make it out alive. Right. Uh, I mean like the people are dead no matter what at this yeah. point. <laughs> Which again doesn't make it right, but it is it's it's sound reasoning. Uh yeah. and Vitaly is like okay, you know what? You're right. And like pretends that everything's fine, but then like he goes and grabs um a grenade and like he kills one of uh, the the warlord's men and like blows up one of the trucks full of munitions and is shot full of holes and Yuri <laughs> manages to complete the deal, but of course, because only half of the guns are left, he gets only half of the diamonds. Uh, and he he pays off a, a doctor to remove all of the, the bullets from his brother before he takes him through customs and to, to fake a death certificate saying that he died of heart failure. But going through customs, it turns out he didn't pay the doctor enough and one bullet was left and that was apparently enough to... Uh, tip off that something happened and uh, the Interpol was all over him for the falsified death certificate.
0: Now, meanwhile, uh, on the other end of this, uh, Interpol has already paid a visit to Ava and uh, and Nikki and basically laid out this whole thing being like, hey, your husband illegally sells arms. And she's like, I don't believe you. And he's like, Okay. And then there's like this really shitty thing where he was like he he thro- shows an article of her I guess her parents died uh, in in a shootout at a yeah. restaurant due to illegal uh, guns that were bought or something. It's a little it's a little like too on the nose, mm-hmm. um, and it kind of doesn't really play out. But she's like, whatever, he wouldn't do that. So she ends up tailing uh, uh, Yuri. And finds his secret office, which is in like a storage container, where he has basically all of the evidence of his crimes. Doing, you know, he has he has like a file that says like all of my illegal crimes in alphabetical (laughs) order, and guns on the wall. And she ends up reporting him to Interpol, to this, to uh, Jack Valentine. Well, not even
1: like they like they've been trying to tell uh, Yuri, and like he always manages to give them the slip. Uh, and he doesn't realize that she's following him, so like he kind of lets his guard down, and she manages to follow him, and they follow her.
0: Yeah, and, so, and that's yeah. So they find the stuff because she was following. Yeah, yeah. Which is even crazier. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, so this is our big end scene, right? So Yuri's Yuri's in, a, in in the interrogation room. You know, Jack Valentine's in there, and he's like. Fucking gotcha, you know, like hitting the red button, confetti down, like balloons popping, (laughs) like the the marching band comes out and he's like, we got them, let's go. And, you know, Nick Cage is like, are you enjoying this? He's like, enjoy it. He's like, let me tell you how this is going to go down. Mm -hmm. And he describes the scenario. He says, there's going to be a knock on the door you're going to go out there and a, uh, a military uh, person who is uh, much higher ranked than you is going to congratulate you on what a wonderful job you did. They're going to offer you commendations, a raise and a promotion. Um, you know, but then they're going to say that they're going to let me go free. Uh, and he's like, and you're going to be really mad about it, but that's what's going to happen because, and he goes into the speech about like, what I do, everybody knows that I do it. And they know that, if it's not me, it's somebody else, but I, I'm still doing a service to these governments. He's like, you know, mm-hmm. I, I deal guns for the, all the governments. Like he's like, there's very, there's people well above you that work with me to do this job. And Ethan Hawke's like, fuck you. Knock, knock, knock. And he's just like, fuck. <laughs> 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 and he goes out and there's the general, he does the whole thing and that's it. And Nick Cage uh, ends up walking, and we see Nick Cage. You know, at the end, this is his culmination moment. Now, we do. Uh, I do want to point out. So, the very beginning of the movie, um, we talk about how this is monologue. Nick Cage is actually talking to the camera, mm-hmm. and then, so it's the end of the movie. It's back to that scene. Nick Cage is talking to the camera, and as it pulls back, we see it's just littered with gun with uh, gun shells. Just every. I mean, there's just bullet, you know, casings all over the ground, and he's like. Da, 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 that's America and he just kind of you know walks off into the sunset while there's gunfire going all over the place
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. crazy mm-hmm.
0: crazy but yeah so he he even said oh yeah so he also calls his parents when he gets arrested and they're like uh they're like both of my sons are dead um you know which is like so he his parents disown him mm-hmm. he got his brother shot mm-hmm and he drove away his wife and son. Yeah. Uh, so he is, he is literally like, look, man, like you, I am living in hell right now. You know, even Ethan, Ethan Hawk is like, you know, this is hell. And he's like, yes, I, I absolutely know and understand the severity of the situation I'm in. He's like, these three things have happened. He's like, but this is still going to go down this way. Like, sorry. It's, and it fucking does.
1: It's fucking brilliant.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: yeah. I loved this movie.
0: Mhm.
1: Um I was I was very curious when you know when I picked it I hadn't watched it in a long time. Uh and so I was like is this going to be one that holds up? Uh and you know it's again as I said at the beginning it's it's very disturbing it's very uncomfortable. Uh it's not it's not a lighthearted wild and crazy Nick Cage movie. <laughs> um but it is it is a very good movie that I think Nicolas Cage was was well-cast in.
0: Oh, yeah, definitely. So should you watch this movie? 100%. If you have not seen this movie already, um, you know, this definitely was a movie that I think got a lot of um, publicity when it first came out. Um, But I think think even more so now, I think people are a little more aware of the shitty things our governments do, specifically our government, you know, the United Mm -hmm. States government. I think people are definitely, like, starting to see... See things a little differently. I think this movie is going to hit a little differently than it did when you watched it uh, 16 years ago. Um, so yes, you should absolutely watch this movie. Nick Cage is great in it. It is not a. It is old school Nick Cage, the the pre-cartoonish Nick Cage. Um, it, you should totally watch this movie. Everyone else gives a great performance too, like Ethan Hawke. Uh, you know, I'm not an Ethan Hawke fan, but he's good in the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not a Jared Leto fan. He's good in the movie. I mean, yeah. Jared Leto is good in the movies he's in. I'm just not a fan of him personally, but that's just, I don't know. Eh. Nice. I don't know. He's eh. 30 seconds to Mars is okay. Um, eh. Eh. Sometimes. Eh. Eh. <laughs> All right. So eh. that's where I think eh. it comes from. <laughs> 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 uh, but yeah, so, uh, so yeah, so thanks a lot for watching us, everyone. Uh, we super appreciate it. Um, you know, this is, this has been, uh, this has been fun. It was kind of weird. We did it on a, on an off night. Uh, you know, uh, but it was, uh, I think it went good. So, uh, for more information, of course, um, you can visit social media. Um, if you're watching on YouTube, our social media handles are down below, uh, for our personal ones. Um, but of course, uh, also you can hit up the Nahoit podcast, which is the NHOIT podcast on Twitter and Instagram, uh, where we'll post some things every so often and you'll see some retweets and stuff like that. But Caleb, where's a good website they could go to? And what can they do there?
1: Oh, I'm glad you asked that. Uh, you can uh, mosey on over to thenahoyt.com. Uh, uh, and on there, you'll see uh, we we keep an uh, up-to-date to schedule of upcoming episodes for the month, uh, where you can see links to trailers as well as where these movies uh, are available streaming if they are, in fact, available streaming, which mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. so far, as of the, the time of this recording and as when you, we had last updated the site for June, uh, all of the movies were available. The first two on Tubi, this one, as we said, on Peacock, uh, and the next one on, on a couple different services. Uh, if I remember correctly, Crackle was one of them. So that's, that's hey. going to be interesting. Um, but, of course, just below that, we have our contact form where you can reach out and tell us uh, what movies you want to hear us talk about. Um In fact, uh, I believe we're actually probably going to theme the month of July around uh, our most recent listener request. So uh, send us your requests. We will talk about them.
0: Hell yeah. So thanks a lot for joining us, everyone. Uh, We super appreciate it, and we will see you next week. Mm.